The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The greatest trait to, to really appreciate about Sam Hartman in these final four games is how calm he is in almost every moment. And that's not as common as we might assume it is in college. Here come the Irish. What a run! Touchdown! Play of the year for the Irish. Hey, welcome to the Indy on NBC podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robinson, joined by Indy on NBC insider Douglas Farmer. Look, Douglas, we have so much to talk about. First and foremost, what a win against USC at home. Give me your thoughts. Uh, it was an entertaining win. And honestly, that's all I ever, whenever I'm at one of these games, I just want it to be entertaining and preferably different. Different than, I've been to enough games in this life that different is an unusual occurrence. This was different. To see arguably the best quarterback in the country just completely melt down in the first half, that was different. And credit has to go to Notre Dame, dialed up the defensive pressure. I think Marcus Freeman and Al Golden have been sitting on that game plan all year. They got burned by Caleb Williams last year. And I vividly remember after that press and that press conference, Marcus Freeman was asked the same question twice, basically, just praising Caleb Williams. And his response the second time was was fair was just, I already answered that. His answer was, I've, that's all I have to say about him. He wasn't being disrespectful, but you could just t- pick up this tone of, I'm not getting beat like that again. And they had this ready. They spent some time this summer studying on how to dial it up on Caleb Williams. And that was what I was most interested by in what a week. And you, you mentioned the first half, three interceptions. I, I mean, it, there were times when I, I thought, and I know Caleb Williams said the seventh game. I, I made this mistakes that I usually don't make, but I saw him throwing off the back foot against pressure. I mean, he's really trying to make things happen. And I was thinking, that doesn't seem like a, a wise decision-making. It was so out of left field. What do you think? What was the environment like that contributed to that? Because I know you go to a lot of games. Each interception was worse than the one before. His third one to Benjamin Morrison, that was the type of throw you expect from a freshman quarterback, not a junior who's looking to be a top two NFL draft pick in the spring. Mm-hmm. The the environment, to me, it was less the environment and more Notre Dame was getting through that offensive line. I'm not mm-hmm. saying Notre Dame Stadium was church-like quiet, but it was it was apprehensive that first half. It got loud later in the game, but that first half, that stadium was tense. It oh. was not a rowdy environment. The, the pressure on Caleb Williams came from, it wasn't one guy getting through the line. It was Javante Jean-Baptiste getting through the line and Maris Leofau sealing the exit route. Yeah. And that's where Notre Dame got burned last year, and that's where Caleb Williams excels. When he didn't have that exit route anymore, he wasn't sure what to do. And it was the first mistake. I think the first one was tipped, and then it just got worse and worse. Like, it wasn't all on him by any means, but it got worse and worse. He was trying to make too much happen, and 
And there again, the credit has to go to Notre Dame's defense. The credit has to go to Xavier Watts, not only intercepting the ball, which Marcus yeah. Freeman kind of called out afterward. We weren't just getting PBUs. We were capitalizing. He wasn't just intercepting the ball, though. He was he was setting up the offense. Corey, yeah. you and I today, you, you had your playing days, but today we could have gone out there and had a scoring chance from the two-yard line. I'm not saying we would have succeeded. We would have had a chance, and that was courtesy of Xavier Watts. Out of three, out of three, out, yeah, I don't know. It was you, you and me together, out of three chances, it's a t- coin toss-up. But you're right. I was sitting there looking like the field position. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you about 48 points against USC, a top 10 team. You know, what do you think about the offense? But I mean, sure, field position is nice. To- <laughs> You got two really nice. touchdowns, two touchdowns where you get the ball to two and the 12. Let's just take off 28 points and that was 2020. And that's what I wanted to ask you, Douglas, because I was thinking, like, realistically, right? Let's just think about the offense the week before to this week. What improvements have you seen and are you feeling more comfortable? Be honest with me. I think this offense is going to continue to struggle. The good news is the rest of the schedule, Clemson is four games left. We feel like we're halfway through the season. We're two-thirds of the way through the season. Clemson aside, the last, the other three opponents to close, Pittsburgh, Wake, and Stanford are all pretty dismal. This mm-hmm. offense is not clicking. The uh, I think the stat I had this morning was in the first four games of the year, Notre Dame averaged 3.8 pass plays of 30 yards or more per game. They've got one per game in the last four weeks. That's not good enough, and it's it's not like explosive plays are not sustainable. You don't want to rely on them, but this offense has nothing at the moment. And in that respect, you can expect uh, Pat Narduzzi and Pittsburgh to dial it up on the Rams' offensive line. USC's defense, let's not forget, it's terrible. USC's defense is objectively bad, and you can make a pretty reasonable argument that Notre Dame scored only 20 points, genuine points, against that defense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 not, it's a pretty interesting assessment going in, you know, like you said, the, the first bye week, thankfully, this year, two bye weeks for Notre Dame. What is, in your mind, you covered this team for a long time, what does this team need to assess this bye week? How important is it for, for this squad? This is a rare year, and I, I don't, uh, my workspace here, oh, there's some fake wood right here. I don't, I don't mean to jinx anybody. This is a rare year where I'm not going into the off week and thinking, yeah, it's going to be really good. You're going to get those two guys healthy. They, yeah. I mean, Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas have some hamstring concerns. I think it's part hamstring concerns, part the passing game is faltering. The the real uh, idle week focus is going to be shoring up the offensive line. You don't want to say that eight weeks into the year, but an offensive line is only as good as its weakest link. And right now that offensive line has some interior failures is too strong of a word, but struggles. Let's go with interior struggles that they'd like to find some cohesion with still. But I mean, even there have been some times too when I, I saw a left tackle and I'm thinking, man, I, I mean, we have some, we have a great left tackle, a history of great left tackles. And there have been times I'm thinking, how did he get beat again and again? I, and then, like I said, I don't know what it is because at the beginning of the season, talking to Joe Wall, talking to Blake Fisher, you know, it seemed as though this offensive line was just dialing it up, run game was firing on all cylinders. And then halfway through, ever since that Ohio State game, something happened. And I'm not sure what happened, but it does not look like the same offensive line. In your in your opinion, um, what what part, I guess, who needs to step up, I should say? On well, the Corey, I can tell you what happened. The opponents went from Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan to Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC. There's a bit of a difference here. No okay. disrespect intended to Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan. The, the difference there was the, the quality of opponent. As soon as a defense, an opposing defense has adequate to good cornerbacks, they no longer really feel the need to devote their safeties to coverage 
or devote all their linebackers to coverage. It's not that Joe Walt's getting beat. It's that there's six or seven guys coming at a five-man line. Somebody's going to get beat. And, and I suspect I don't I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of offensive line play. I suspect there've been a few points where Joe Alt was trying to do too much, and and there was there was one notable play against Louisville where he got put on his rear end, which was shocking because he's he's a top fifteen, he's top ten pick, yeah. he's six foot eight. He he towers over you, Corey. He's yeah, no, for sure. Um, and he got he got very much put on his rear end. I would wager if you could get Joe Alt to answer truthfully. His attention before the snap was on somebody else. Not that he was disregarding his man, but he was trying to make sure, hey, take care of that thing. And then the ball was snapped and he just he toast. Hmm. Talk to me about Sam Hartman because, you know, every time, you know, I meet Notre Dame fans, it's always the same, you know, a couple questions. Is Sam Hartman for real? Like, what do you think about him? And now we have some, we have some real, you know, obviously a lot of games to watch from him uh, play, playing with the Notre Dame jersey on. What did you think um, up to this point of Sam Hartman's play? Sam Hartman is something that Notre Dame hasn't had a quarterback in a long time. And you're expecting me to say something like really strong arm or really accurate. Well, I'm just curious, you know. Those, those are things he has. But the thing about him that Notre Dame hasn't had since I didn't think this through beforehand. We're going to do it in my head real quick. I'm all the way back to 2016, 2015. It might be back to Tommy Reese since Notre Dame had a calm mm-hmm. presence at quarterback. Sean Kaiser was very talented. He was never really calm. Ian Book made his money by being frenetic. Like, that was how he excelled, and I mean that as a compliment. Jack Cohen was pretty calm, but then Notre Dame needed to speed things up in order to use his best talents. So as calm as Jack Cohen was, it became Hurry Up Jack was the nickname of the offense. Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine were never experienced enough to be a calming presence in the backfield. Drew, uh, Sam Hartman is, is a calming presence at all moments. We saw that. Throughout the entire Ohio State game, we saw that in the closing minutes, that game-winning drive against Duke. He, yeah, he he melted down a little bit against Louisville. That was Louisville's defense just dialing it up on Sam Hartman and him having nowhere to go. Otherwise, I would say the greatest trait to to really appreciate about Sam Hartman in these final four games is how calm he is in almost every moment, and that's not as common as we might assume it is in college. Hmm. I think it's a very wise point, very astute. You know, I I always ask myself, well, if you're talking about like a franchise quarterback, you know, you, you always got to ask when you're down or tied, you got one, like give the ball last time of the game. Can you look as a fan and as a team, can you look at that guy in the huddle and say, yeah, we got a chance? You know what I'm saying? And if you, and you, the answer is yes to that, you got a franchise quarterback. And there have been times where you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought, even with the Ohio State game, I'm thinking, we got a chance. You know, with Sam's in the backfield, we got a chance. Then, like, Duke, I was like, okay, I think I think we got this. He proved me. I was like, okay, okay, we got. And Louisville, I was like, okay, I don't know. And now, and then now, I, now I'm kind of like on the fence a little bit because I'm seeing moments where I'm thinking, yes, every time I look at the huddle, I think we had a chance to send. But then at the other time too, I'm kind of convincing myself. Do you see what I'm saying? Why? Um, do you feel the same way about that or no? Is that just I a- don't. Something I'm learning talking to you this year, Corey, and we've been talking football for years, but this year more and more, uh, you are focused on the granular, the play by play by play by play. Whereas I'm willing to look at least drive by drive. Okay. And Sam Hartman isn't going to torpedo repeated drives. Last year, think about Drew Pine would make mistakes repeatedly and they'd be the same mistakes. There's the, the famous image of Tommy Reese on the phone, do your job. Whereas with Sam Hartman, Marcus Freeman will say, often will say that Sam came to the sideline and told me he knew what he did wrong better than I did. And, 
that wasn't a shot at Marcus Freeman's own intellect. It was like Sam is Sam's played 50 some games at this point. He knows these items. He knows exactly what they're the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. So let's let's look back and maybe do a little bit of a awards. Is that all right with you? Of course. Okay. So midseason awards, and it's funny because, like I said, we have we have another bye week. So I mean, it's like, could you imagine the luxury? We have so much time. Mid-season, to Mid like... season, we're eight games out of twelve. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's kind of weird to me to think that it's like it's like a, it's almost like an act one, act two, act three, and then the postseason, which is like, man, that's like a full on opera. It's like a four-hour opera. <laughs> I got to bring an opera, you know that. Okay, so let's talk. Uh, who's your offensive MVP? It's got to be Hartman. It's it's yeah, got to be Sam Hartman, and it depends. No matter what your definition of MVP is, best player, Sam Hartman. Uh, mm-hmm. Most valuable player, Steve Angeli's not ready for this. Steve Angeli would not have won the Duke game. It's Steve Angeli might not have converted all all four short fields, all three short fields against USC into touchdowns, which was vital. Uh, it's got to be Sam Hartman. I don't know if you've got any other minds and any, any other names in mind, but nope, I'm not even going to name another person. I think you're right. I think it has to be. And and one thing I really admire about Sam's play is you know he's hyper efficient. Which back to your point of like, okay, well, you know, drive by drive, can you recover? And the answer is for Sam, for the most part, always yes. Which you know very valuable considering that he holds the ball every play. Defensive MVP. I, uh, I'm curious what name you have in mind, actually, because I know what name I want to say, and I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to be there with me. Yeah, so for me, I'm looking at the, the whole of the season. I thought two games come to mind where I'm like, okay, obviously, Xavier Watts recently, I like that kind of really pushed it. But then I think Ben Morrison for me, because I think being a cornerback, it's like the most impossible job. And what he did in Ohio State, I thought was, I mean, I thought it was an incredible performance. And I think throughout the season, I think he's kind of put together uh, consistent, uh, like really solid performances that buoyed historically what I have seen as one of the weakest points of Notre Dame's defenses you know, historically. So for me, he's my defensive MVP. But I also, you know, I'm a receiver. I, I'm biased towards those guys. So I spend uh, a lot of time. Benjamin Morrison is absolutely outstanding. I am going to go elsewhere, though. Howard Cross the third defensive tackle, mm-hmm. has been playing out of his mind and he played really well to start last year and then suffered a high ankle sprain that he never fully was able to get healthy and it you could see it in his stats right now he's number two on the team with 45 tackles defensive tackles are not supposed to get 45 tackles that includes five and a half for loss 
if you think back to that Ohio State game, he held the point of attack on every mm-hmm. play. And the one that's going to get replayed forever, forever, to Notre Dame fans' chagrin, is that touchdown when only 10 men were on the field. Go watch that replay and focus on Howard Cross, number 56 in the middle of the line, because there wasn't anybody else yeah. on his right side. No. Ohio State was able to put two and a half offensive linemen on him, and he Didn't still move. held enough of the point of attack that that Didn't touchdown move. had to be reviewed. He's playing that well. He's not a huge guy, but he's extremely strong. His hands literally pack a punch. He's playing that well. Benjamin Morrison's playing great, but I think the drop-off in this defense would be that much bigger without Howard Cross. He's playing – I don't know if he's going to get the notice nationally, but he's playing at an All-American caliber. Wow. No, it's a good pick. Wow. Newcomer of the midseason. <laughs> it's funny, the midseason, but, yeah, newcomer. Um, I'm going with running back Jeremiah Love. And his stats oh. have not been overwhelming. Um, no, he's, been, he's been exciting every time he's touched he's the ball. He's been exciting every time. He's got 39 carries for 269 yards, only one touchdown. But you can see how close he is. And it's it, – there aren't – I mean, unless you want to call Mitchell Evans a newcomer, there aren't a ton of newcomers here. Jaden Greathouse has been injured now long enough. You've kind of got to yeah. knock him down. When he, if he'd been healthy all the way through, maybe he would have been that big. Yeah, yeah. He Jeremiah Love looks the part of, and to my understanding, he's already catching notice well beyond Notre Dame. And so that'll be, he's only a freshman. That's somebody for Notre Dame fans to really file away moving forward. Most improved player. I'm going to stay at the same position and improve. Maybe this would have been a newcomer as well, but uh, Janarian Price, sophomore running mm-hmm. back, the kickoff return for a touchdown yeah. this weekend. Amazing. We're not seeing the full Jadarian Price experience. We have to remember that, go back to spring of 2022, so a year and a half ago, he was an early enrolled freshman and was considered the best running back on the team. That was with Audrey Gassman on the team. That was with Logan Dix on the team. And that was how good Jadarian Price looked. And then he blew his Achilles in the summer. And Achilles is a really tough injury to come back from. I didn't expect him to have a successful September this year. I was pretty public about that. Like, it's an Achilles injury. And now my I've learned, and I heard some words from Sean Crawford, who, if you remember, suffered in his own Achilles mm-hmm. injury way back when. Like way back when, he played nine years, so he covered most of the time. But his his description of his recovery from Achilles injury was he was good, but he would get tired earlier in games, and his Achilles would get sore. So Notre Dame, if you look when they used Darian Price, Ohio State has stood out to me. I don't have the play by play in front of me, but he barely played the first half because mm-hmm. they knew. We've got only six or 10 or 14, whatever the whatever the pitch count is, we've got only that many at Jadarian Price. We're using them in the second half. So yeah, in the second half, blue oil. Yeah. Wow. We're getting a minimal aspect of Jadarian Price, and he's this impressive. He's taking 20 carries for 100 yards. That's five yards a carry for a guy who's supposedly limited. He's got that kickoff return for a touchdown. He's other, had a few other nice returns. There's a lot to Jadarian Price that we should keep in mind. I would assume Andre Castamego is pro this year. He's a running back. Running back should Maybe there's some different NIL calculus moving forward. But as mm-hmm. he goes pro, Janarian Price and Jeremiah Love is going to be a great duo next season. I, I got to say, um, I remember looking at some of the, the other high-profile Achilles injuries in different sports. Like I think about um, Kelsey, uh, gosh, from the Aces. Um, Kelsey Plum. Yeah, Kelsey Plum. I you know how talking she, about her earlier today. <laughs> yeah, but like how she got an Achilles injury and then like within a year won an Olympic gold medal. I mean, it was just like – incredible and obviously Kevin Durant as well coming back from his Achilles so it seems as though the Achilles injury for some reason there's been like this 
um, people are recovering and to a, getting to a point good at a very high level very quickly, which is great. You know, like because before that was like one of those injuries where, I mean, you know, your it career ended, is basically over. You know? It ended Kobe's effectiveness for all intents and purposes. It's just such a hard one. So I'm happy to see that people are coming back. So then uh, for me, I got to say, and this isn't really fair because, you know, you had Michael Mayer on the team, but for me, it's Evans, Mitchell Evans. I really like watching him play. And I think especially since Jaden Greathouse got, you know, since he was injured, I thought he really stepped up big time and has continued to grow over and over and over again, which in my mind, I'm like, man, I, can he continue to fill his role? Like now they're going to game plan for him. Can he continue to keep catching these balls? So for me, I think that, you know, he's really improved. I'm excited to see how he continues to, to elevate his game. So for he's mine. And we should we should remind people because this doesn't get discussed enough. He was a quarterback in high school, not like not like a traditional drop back, throw the ball quarterback. But he lined up behind center in high school. And you go back to that Duke game. I mean, he had that one handed catch where eventually oh, he saw an angle where it was like, like that was a, that wasn't a fluke. He just corralled that ball with one hand. He was in control yeah. the whole time. This guy is is still relatively new to pass catching. Uh, we knew he was big. We knew he could run block, but the pass catching has been a revelation. It's been amazing. So, um, best win of the season. What do I do? I need to... <laughs> come on, dude. We just get oh, that, that Tennessee that State, State win. Down. That really, I don't know. <laughs> wow, that was yeah. It's USC. They didn't just beat USC. They they rolled USC six straight home victory against your biggest rival. That that's starting to be something to to note because this is you and I have discussed before. Notre Dame's rivalries. I always say yeah, people grew up on the East Coast. They hate Notre Dame fans. Grew up on the East Coast. Hate Boston College and Michigan. Notre Dame fans that grow up anywhere else hate Michigan and USC. Everybody hates Michigan. Well, Michigan's not on the schedule every every year anymore. So it's more a USC item. And it's to beat them six times in a row at home, that's starting to be a number. And yeah, not to look two years ahead already, but boy, if you're Marcus Freeman, you are circling that right now is I'm not losing to USC in South Bend ever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to, obviously I have to agree. Um, best ND moment of the season for you. You uh, it's the kind the combination, the back-to-back plays of the Sam Hartman fourth and 16 scramble followed mm. up by Audrey Castamay's 30 yard touchdown run at Duke. That was wow. a game that, that was looked, crazy. I don't want to say it looked lost, but you had to go night and the official stat is 95 yard game winning touchdown drive, but there was a false start penalty before the first snap. They covered mm-hmm. 97 yards and that's not. As good as, as much praise as I heaped on Sam Hartman, and you joined me a little bit ago, like you weren't expecting to pull that off. 97 yards at that point? No. Yeah. There are times, like I said, this season in the two-minute drill, you mentioned Jack Cohn. You know, I thought he really excelled in two-minute drill scenarios, but you're right. In, in the the meat of the game, you know, he made, you know, it seemed like there was nothing going until you were back against the wall two-minute drills. The thing I like about Sam Hartman in this offense is, you know, you, you feel like, Hey, we only need 30 seconds to score. And he's done that. You know, it's like, we need 37 seconds to score. We have, we need a minute to score. And that drive, I remember I texted you and a cabin from a cabin in Alaska. I was sitting here watching this game and I was like, the play came in eight seconds where he handed off to Audrey estimate eight seconds. The play came in and I was like, Oh my gosh, my heart is great. You can't, you can't run a two minute offense that way. You got to give them time to run the play and assess the defensive coverage. And of course, estimate makes him right and gets a score. And that's one of those where I was like, this team, like in two minute scenarios, I know that we can get on the board. And that's so special. Like you, you, you cannot put a price on that. So, I mean, that was a very special moment. Very special. Should, Corey, I, I know you're going to remember that moment, partly because, you know, I've watched some college football games from absurd locations. Like every, <laughs> every rest stop in Indiana and Ohio, I have pulled over for two and a half hours to watch some game I need to study. 
Uh, you notching a game in Alaska this year is up there. So you're going to remember that for a long time. Yeah. We should add to your memory of that. The reason that play call came in so late, we've learned, was Notre Dame didn't have a signal for center the ball for a field goal kick. And so it took a little mm-hmm. bit to get the play in because, like, what do we want to do? We don't have a signal for. And that's an item that Marcus Freeman has learned from. Uh, that's an item that Jared Parker has learned from. He's he's kind of a – he's like in a year 1.5 as an office coordinator because he did have half a season back at West Virginia. So these are items they're learning from, and that that should be only – they got away with it. And so that's encouraging moving forward. Yeah, I, I, there's, there's a couple times this season where I, I was kind of worried about certain things like, okay, Ohio State, how do you bounce back? And this has been my, my best indie moment. That Duke game – because I'm saying – like. I can't even put it into words how difficult it is, you know, as a 20 year old to to manage your emotions when you're talking about college game day to do back to back college game days and then to have that devastating loss like the, the team told us like in their own words right that that loss was devastating to then come back the very next week and then win it the way that they did. I'm telling you on college game day as a 20 year old, I, I, I would need to I would need to spend a lot of time in prayer or meditating on my call map, whatever. It's very impressive. So the the tenacity of this team to be able to come back for me, that was the moment where I thought this team is legit because a lot of teams would have been broken by that. And then the same thing last week, Louisville, you know, coach uh, Jason Garrett called that an aberration to come back the way they did in the defense and the special teams to win in all three phases against USC. You know, I, I thought that was another huge statement of the mental uh, capability of this team. So for me, that that Duke game was really big. That was my favorite moment. And the point you just made, we've got producer Matt telling us to wrap up looking at Marcus Freeman as an assessment. And the point you just made is my Marcus Freeman assessment right now. He's got things to learn as a head coach. I mean, the Ohio State ending, that Duke snap that, that gave you heart palpitations, these are things he has to learn from. But the fact that Notre Dame was able to regain focus or revive its season or however you want to generically phrase its performance against USC, that's hard to do with 18 to 23-year-olds. Look at Miami. They have a coaching debacle. They get rolled in the next game. Miami's going to struggle through the rest of the season. Look at Texas A&M. Their playoff aspirations get dashed. They're going to struggle through the rest of the season. And Notre Dame's playoff aspirations were blown up at Louisville, absolutely destroyed. And they were able to find enough, whatever noun I'm looking for here to get back on the field against USC. That doesn't happen unless your coach sets that tone. And that might be the piece that has impressed me the most. That's two years in a row. He's done that. You think back to last year's Clemson game again, what did did they play for? I mean, that's what people will tell you what they had to play for was beating a blossoming rivalry in Clemson. Hmm. So uh, we'll be back next week with a preview of Notre Dame's game against Pittsburgh. So be sure to download and subscribe to the Notre Dame on NBC podcast on the NBC Sports YouTube channel and wherever you get your audio podcast. As always, Douglas, thank you for your insight and for illuminating so many things. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and learn from you. Go Irish. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.